We live in an age crying for nuance. At the same time, we're questioning biological reality and claiming to be able to identify as anything we want. <laughs> human autonomy has given us what humans are most capable of producing, moronicness. You're so stupid! We've been arguing about what age a child should be able to cut off their junk, We've been arguing who's more racist in society, and we've been electing presidents that can't even talk right. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. In all, we've seen that the decline of Western culture hasn't really come from external forces like China or from a pandemic, but from a woke mind virus that creates lifeless widgets who refuse to think for themselves. You hear me? It's coming from inside the house. Some would rather shove a BLM flag in your face before they actually ask, did that dude on the subway that was having a mental breakdown caused by rampant drug usage actually die because of his rampant drug usage? While some will argue that if he was never choked, he'd still be alive, or if he was a white man, he wouldn't have been choked in the first place. All I can say to you is you need to tell that to the elderly woman who had her orbital bone broken because of Jordan Neely. The naive way we treat everything in society today is because we've placed compassion before truth and a bleeding heart before common sense. We've defunded the police, decriminalized drugs, and made American cities basically open sewers and expect it all to go just fine. The real problem is when the obvious failure of leftist policies finally catch up with us, there are still some who believe that we should go even deeper into that rabbit hole just to see how far things can really go. Well, just give communism one more shot. Come on. It couldn't hurt. If you're tired of all the noise and you want to return to normalcy, then I invite you today to join me as I take a ride on the subway to look at the Neely case with some fresh perspective. I invite you to investigate why the media has been so hushed about Biden's influence peddling, which could be one of the biggest scandals in American history. And I invite you to get off the subway before it crashes in Florida as a teacher is crying out for justice after she was stopped from watching homosexual propaganda with her students because of that pesky Ron DeSantis. You're fired. All that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to check out today's show's sponsor. That's our friends over at Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all of your business needs. If you believe that perhaps the best way to curb inflation is maybe to create your own business so that you don't have to be reliant upon the fools in our political class to actually become fiscally responsible, well, then you're going to need some help to start that business. And our friends over at Anchor can help you do just that. Not only can they help you with business strategies, but they can help you with staffing, payroll, accounting, bookkeeping, and so much more. If you want to be compliant with the man when taxes come around and filing and all of that stuff, well, then you need an expert in your corner to help you do that and so much more. But to see how Anchor can can put legs underneath your vision, you need to go to anchor.biz right now. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z to see everything that they can do to help you. And when you do so, let them know that Indie Thinkers sent you. Common sense is especially helpful in common situations where we need sense to help us out a little bit. And it's becoming more and more common that we see cities in America, especially run by Democrats, are consistently becoming horrible places to live. 
overrun by rampant homelessness where the city streets become better places to poop than actually to walk with your family. And so when we see this crisis going on, it's important for us to allow our emotional capacities to be placed to one side because obviously this is a humanitarian concern and I as a Christian care about people who are homeless and on the street and and often think to myself, what is the best way to help them? I've often had these conversations with others in church because bleeding hearts are not just shared among liberals, but also even those in Christian circles. And it's very important that we combine a bleeding heart with a little bit of truth so that we don't bleed out. And so many Christians are of the persuasion that we should just give endless amounts of money to homeless people in order to help them. I I find very often that the people who believe this kind of stuff really haven't worked that often with homeless people because they don't realize a couple things. One, that homelessness is almost always a personal choice, that it is either come as a result of rampant drug use or because the individual has actually chosen to live on the street. Now, some of you are thinking right now who are allowing the bleeding heart to do your thinking for you, why would anyone ever choose to be homeless? Well, here's why. Because it's actually been studied a good bit that you can actually make a decent amount of money by panhandling on the street and asking for money. And then you don't have to actually be responsible for things in society like taking care of a family, paying bills, and and all those kind of things. Suffice to say, As difficult as it is for some of us to believe, homelessness for very many homeless people is a choice. And we have to figure out the best way to help those people. Now, again, for many of my Christian friends, they think it's to actually kind of exacerbate the homeless problem by handing money to people. You know, they say things like, well, God never told us in the Bible to care about what happens with how we give a gift to others, but we just we just do it from the good heart and we trust that good things will happen as a result of it. Well, I'm just going to tell you, the money that you have given to the individual homeless person is almost assuredly going to go to drugs, alcohol, or to something else. Maybe it goes a little bit to food, sure, but it's actually not going to help them get off the street because the thing that will best help a homeless person get off the street is not a handout, but a hand up, a job or something like it that will help them truly become responsible in society and help them to realize that there are pros and cons to everything. Yes, with responsibility comes uh, some annoyances that you will find on the job and sometimes even annoying coworkers that you have to deal with, but the freedom and the benefits of actually getting a paycheck and being able to earn an honest living far outweighs the freedom that you get by living in a homeless camp somewhere in a downtown city where the best place to poop is on 5th and Martin Luther King Boulevard. So suffice to say, the whole point is, is that if we're going to truly address homelessness, we need to do so from a perspective of common sense. And so that's where we have to look at what took place between Daniel Penny and Jordan Neely and really ask some honest questions about what took place there. So for those of you who are not familiar with the story, Daniel Penny is a former veteran, was riding on the subway. I believe he's 24 years old, so a young man. And um, Jordan Neely is a a lifelong criminal offender who with over 40 uh, criminal counts against his name, I think it's something like 44, been arrested 44 times. Most recently, he was supposed to go to a mental health facility and then just walked away and never showed up. So needless to say, Jordan Neely was on a subway with Penny, and when Neely had a mental breakdown, was shouting in people's faces and and antagonizing and threatening people, Daniel Penny put him in a chokehold, and after three minutes, let go of the chokehold when um, help arrived. Now, I, I to be honest with you, you'll need to go back and look and see how long that chokehold was given up until the point where... Um, 
uh, where Neely was no longer resisting, because I think that that does play into uh, into what we think about this situation. And as many facts as possible are important, but for many. Few facts are actually what is needed to really understand what took place that day. So they see a white man with a white arm around a black man's neck, and that's apparently all people need to know. And it's given us some hot takes like what has been offered just recently, which is that instead of subduing the man, which, by the way, Penny was helped by other passengers in the subway to subdue Neely because they obviously thought he was a threat as well, and one of the people who was holding down Neely as Penny was applying that chokehold was a black man. But some people have said, well, instead of, you know, offering him a chokehold, they should have offered him help. You can see that here. No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you? He was choked to death instead. So for everybody saying, I've been on the train and I've been afraid before, and I can't tell you what I would have done in that situation, I'm going to tell you. Ask how you can help. Please. Don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. Don't take someone's life. Don't take someone's loved one from them because they're in a bad place. No one on that train said, you started out by saying, I'm hungry. I need food. I'm done with it. I don't know where to get food. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go to jail. I'm just done. No one said, here you are, sir. Let me meet your need. Now, the kind of people who are sparking, now the kind of people who are crying out and outraged by the fact that a chokehold was given rather than help are the kind of people who have probably never been in a situation like Daniel Penny and the rest of those people on the subway were in, or the kind of people who think that um, that that free speech is is violence in some way. The, the people who think free speech is violence have never actually been punched in the face. So in the situation that Daniel Penny was in, we, is it's probably important to understand what took place so that we can actually know what kind of force was was necessary and what kind of threats were being thrown out. That will all come out as Daniel Penny has now been arrested for choking Jordan Neely and is being accused of manslaughter by none other than Alvin Bragg. Yes, we get to go back to the Alvin Bragg show where this George Soros-funded DA gets another opportunity to put his name in the news by not only indicting Trump, um, and, but then also by indicting Penny here for, for manslaughter. So let's go back to the kind of just general claim. We should have just offered help. Well, first to that, I have to say this. Why are you now desiring to offer help? It's very interesting to me. I mean, of course, help is always great whenever it comes along for whatever ulterior motive it comes along. So great, help homeless people. But it's interesting to me that we conveniently could care less about homeless people when they're sitting on the ground right in front of us very often, and especially in New York. I mean, this is the city that multiple people walked by a homeless man that had been stabbed and could have been offered help. Um, it was, took place maybe about like 10 years ago. Homeless man stabbed, left on the street to die, people walking around him. And if he had been offered help, he actually might have been been allowed to live. But nonetheless, this is the same city where people walk over homeless people every single day of their life without offering help. See, it's real easy to come in after the fact and suggest that that's what you should have done when the people who are suggesting it never really wanted to help in, in the first place. So sure, help whenever you can. Maybe the situation would have been different if Daniel had come up to the man and said, hey, if you'll sit down, 
I will make sure to give you water and food. I would love to know what that would have looked like because the situation would obviously have been different. But let's face it, not only did Daniel not do that, but the city of New York is not doing that. As rampant homelessness takes over that city, there are few people who actually really care about humanitarian solutions to that kind of problem. You know the people who do? The people that are those who are accused of being bigots and hating the LGBTQIA plus community. Those same people, uh, those Christians, are the ones who are day in, day out, and I know some of them, helping people on the city streets. It's interesting to me that the vast majority of the people protesting right now couldn't care less about homeless people. So that's kind of a side note compared to the ultimate problem, which, which is this. Why is homelessness not on trial? See, Daniel Penny is on trial, but not the fact that there is rampant homelessness in places like New York City, in L.A., and in San Francisco, and other major cities around America. If we really care about making sure that what happened to Neely never happens to another person, we might think about trying to actually solve homelessness or start looking into what is causing homelessness. Because can I just suggest to you that offering a meal to an individual in need, while great, may not necessarily solve homelessness. Now, I want to speak to this one other thing. There are many people who are saying this whole debate is totally ridiculous. If Jordan Neely was never strangled, he would still be alive. Well, here's the problem with that. Jordan Neely wasn't strangled. He was placed in a chokehold, which is intended to try to make someone pass out, but not necessarily kill them. So this is the real question at the end of the day. Why did he die? Is it at least possible that the K2 that had fried the brain of Jordan Neely and fries the brains of many people was actually the thing that caused him to, to die? Perhaps he was suffering from what is called excited delirium, where a person is having an emotional and mental breakdown because actually their body is in the process of shutting down right there at that very moment. Again, I, I wish things had turned out differently too. My heart goes out to Jordan Neely and to whatever family the man had, which apparently was not much because his mother was killed and I think thrown in the dump and his father left him when he was very young. So needless to say, my heart goes out to Jordan and I'm sad any time a human life is ever taken. But we have to be honest about why that life was taken if we're actually going to solve the problem. And at the end of the day, I do have to make a bit of an observation. When we look at what Daniel Penny did, or at least tried to do, in trying to protect those people on that train, to, tra to take his training and to use it to, to try to help people, to try to be a hero, whether you like his tactics or not, I can just say this. When people are pushed to their brink, they do desperate things. And very few people actually lack, uh, very few people actually possess the kind of heroism that Daniel did in taking a stand and trying to protect other people. So I have a question for you. As Callis says, you may think it is. Who would you rather have in prison today? Jordan Neely or Daniel Penny? I'm not suggesting that we criminalize homelessness. I'm just merely suggesting this, that if a person is incapable of taking care of themselves and is participating in drug use that is driving them insane, then perhaps they need to be in a mental health facility, even if they are involuntarily committed. Now, speaking of involuntary commitment, um, we should all voluntarily pay attention and be committed to 
watching what is going on with Joe Biden because House Committee Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer from Kentucky released a bank record memorandum detailing new information obtained in the committee's investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling in business schemes. The Oversight Committee has obtained thousands of pages of financial records revealing the Biden family and associates' complicated network of companies set up during Joe Biden's vice presidency and the millions the Bidens received from foreign sources. The financial records also reveal how the Bidens used complicated transactions to hide payments from foreign nationals, including CCP-linked associates, and provide clear indications of influence-peddling schemes during then-Vice President Biden's tenure. The Bidens intentionally sought to hide, confuse, and conceal their influence-peddling schemes, but bank records don't lie. The Bidens made millions from foreign nationals, providing what seems to be no service other than access and influence. From the thousands of records we've obtained so far, we know the Biden family set up over a dozen companies when Joe Biden was vice president. The Bidens engaged in many intentional, complicated financial transactions to hide these payments and avoid scrutiny. In at least one instance, the Biden's CCP-linked associates took steps to conceal the sources of the payment to the Bidens. And the news media, as a result of this allegation, is all but oddly crickets. Oh, crickets. Oh, nothing. Oh. The strange, uncurious media who has not been reporting on this at all is simply pushing away the heat on on Joe Biden by suggesting that there is no indication at this point in time that Joe Biden benefited directly from any of these payments. So the real question is this. Two things. Regardless of if Joe Biden directly benefited from any of these payments, you know, the big man making sure he gets his cut, um, influence peddling is still illegal and you're not allowed to use your vice presidential or presidential office to peddle in influence. Now, it wouldn't be beyond Hunter Biden and other lackeys um, associated with Joe Biden to peddle in things because, I mean, we are talking about the guy who smoked Parmesan cheese. So he's peddling in a lot of things. Common sense isn't, isn't one of them. Uh, however, so the first thing is that influence peddling in and of itself is bad enough. But also, it is going to be really, really hard to detail whether or not this money went directly to Joe Biden because money is fungible. That's why at least I hope we can agree on this, regardless of if you voted Democrat your whole life. This is a story that needs to be investigated, and the silence of the media is deafening. Now, when let me remind you, when your worst nightmare Trump was in office, they made sure to investigate every single business transaction that the Trump administration had ever had ever embarked upon to make sure that there were no improprieties. But it's odd that they seem very uncurious about this story. So this kind of uh, story is getting the same coverage as the laptop did when it came around. And here's the real problem with the laptop story and with this story. Lies get around the world before the truth has time to get its pants on. So all the media must do is come out, suggest that Biden didn't directly benefit from in Joe Biden didn't directly benefit from any of these payments. And as a result of that, there's nothing here to see. By the time all the evidence comes down, people will have moved on to stories about 100 stories from where we are right now. So this is the, the modern day grievance of 
are uncurious and very spiritually and mentally bankrupt media. But right now, right in front of our face, we're watching what could be Pulitzer Prize winning real journalism. No, not that kind of 1619 bullcrap that kind of parades around as a facade of journalism, but real journalism that would investigate not just Biden, but also why the media is so silent about something that is so important. So again, sure, maybe Biden didn't directly benefit, but the peddling is a problem in and of itself. And why not investigate to see if he did benefit from it, even if in a roundabout way? After all, the big man isn't that big of a man when it's all said and done, because he's not beyond showing up at Howard University's to suggest that white supremacy is the greatest terror threat impacting Americans. Really? Is that what it is? Or are you just simply pandering for votes, you old coot? But enough of that. It's time for Bible Study with Democrats. Oh, God of Pronouns. While this segment of the show is typically reserved for a very odd interpretation of scripture, typically from liberals and progressives, um, I think we, we need to take time, and I have in the past, to highlight the religious nature of certain ideas and groups in America today, even outside of kind of the mainstream Catholic evangelical Christian, whatever, any of those kind of normal things that we equate as religion, it's important for us to take a look beyond those things and actually look at the very, very dominant religion on the left, and that is the LGBTQIA plus ad infinitum ad nauseum religion. And we see that on full display yet again in Florida, where a teacher just recently decided to take some class time to show her class a Disney movie. And according to USA Today, Florida teacher investigated by the state for showing Disney cartoon movie in class. Now, let me just stop right there after that headline, because if you were to read that headline, you'd think to yourself, the, the fascists are at it again down in Florida. You can't even show Disney movies anymore during class. We'll get to that in a moment. Kind of weird, right? Can't even show Disney movies anymore without Ron DeSantis sending the Gestapo to investigate teachers for showing a Disney movie. Well, before you get your panties in a bunch, whether you're a man or a woman on the left, uh, let's let's read what Disney movie they were showing kids. And story goes on to say this. A Florida teacher is under investigation by the State Department of Education after what she believed is a targeted attack by a school board member who took issue with a Disney movie shown in her classroom. At a Hernando County School Board meeting Tuesday, fifth grade teacher Jenna Barbie, alleged school board member Shannon Rodriguez, reported her to the Florida Department of Education for showing her students the Disney 2022 movie Strange World. It's the Disney movie with the first openly gay character. So a little bit of information helps, doesn't it, to help us see the lack of common sense that this teacher was actually practicing. So before I get to the fact that this Prop homosexual propaganda movie that Disney created. By the way, you do remember, right? There's a not-so-secret homosexual agenda going on at Disney. Welcoming to, like, my, like, not-at-all-secret gay agenda. And so, like, I, I feel like... Before we get into actually investigating uh, the the film and that, I, there's something else that's, that's egregious as well that we need to look at. Um, so this is a science class for fifth graders, no less, and this is what this individual had to say about times now that DeSantis is governor. She said this, 
quote, times have changed so much and they are so micromanaged. Teachers aren't allowed to teach anymore. They're basically a caregiver who has to teach the standards. Teachers stay for the children, but because of the laws and the fear of being let go for saying one wrong thing, they can't connect with their students. Now, there's some implicit implications here. First of all, if the way that you connect with your students is by showing gay films, you deserve to be fired. And correct me, I might be mistaken about this, but actually, as a public school teacher, you are supposed to teach the standards and supposed to, you know, not so much teach homosexuality in your classroom, even if it's via a Disney movie. Last time I checked, that wasn't in the job resume. But more importantly and more broadly, isn't this interesting? Times have changed so much. They're micromanaging us and we can't teach anymore. So since when was showing a fictional movie in a science class a science lecture? No, I think we understand what this lecture really was at the end of the day, and this is why you deserve to be fired, Miss Barbie, or Mr., or whatever you wish to classify yourself, non-binary. Um, it's probably because this film is a homosexual propaganda film, and that's probably why you're getting some heat from school board members and from parents. So they're not allowed to teach anymore. Well, if your teaching is this kind of teaching, then yes, you are not allowed to teach anymore. You're totally right. You don't get to connect with the kids, and we don't want you connecting with our kids. I mean, honestly, why can't these teachers just teach science? Is it really that difficult? Did you really want to jeopardize your job for this homosexual propaganda film, or are you just trying to be a martyr? It's like they want us to know they're activists posing as teachers. Of course, there's a glaring double standard here. The, the article goes on and it says this, it is not a teacher's job to impose their beliefs upon a child, religious, sexual orientation, gender identity, any of the above, Rodriguez said, but allowing movies such as this assist teachers in opening a door, and please hear me, they assist teachers in opening the door for conversations that have no place in our classrooms. Of course, this is true. It's so frustrating to me that I had to live through the 90s where we were taking prayer and Bibles out of schools and making sure that teachers didn't say anything about God. And if they prayed a prayer, they just had to have a moment of silence after the Pledge of Allegiance. It's so ridiculous to me that now we have teachers freaking out that they can't show gay films basically to kids anymore. So listen, I'm just going to tell you, I, I if... If we had it my way, we would do this. We would have school choice, and people would be able to pick the schools that they want to based upon the kind of beliefs that they want their kids to be taught. That's why I pay extra outside of my taxes to make sure that my kids go to a Christian school. So again, if I had it my way, you know, you could have your gay school over here, and you could have your five students and see if that's financially lucrative to you. But what you can't have is you can't have a taxpayer-funded school where you get to shove your idiotic beliefs down the throats of, of, of my kids. So suffice to say, of course, they want to claim separation of church and state when it comes to Christianity, and then when it comes to homosexuality, well, this is just freedom of speech, of course. Well, teachers, you don't have freedom of speech. What you have is the right to take care of children and do so that within not only the best interest of the kids, but also according to the behest of parents who pay for your salary. And let me be clear, I bring up Christianity here not just simply because of the double standard between the alphabet soup people and the way they want to shove their beliefs down the throat of people and the way that they would hate it if Christians were trying to do that, but because also I believe Christianity is the cure for the lack of common sense in our society today. And let me explain. 
What can the Christian offer in the realm of common sense that the atheist or the secular humanist cannot? Christianity can offer you this, a rational basis for reason, logic, and your own existence. Answer this question as honestly as possible. If God existed, would that make your life make more sense or less sense? If you answered that the only way that you really can and be honest, then you have to admit, if my, act, if my existence isn't just some random or accidental thing, then my life has meaning in the world and all that's in it makes more sense. So maybe the Bible is right when it says that the ultimate foolish act is truly atheism. C.S. Lewis said this, people believed to see law in nature because they believed that there was a law giver. The idea is that science in the past primarily was performed by Christians because they knew that order meant intelligibility and intelligibility meant a creator, that they could go investigate and that they would find intelligibility in creation because there was a creator. Atheists like Sam Harris will commit a genetic fallacy and claim that every scientist in the past was a Christian because that was the only thing that they had to choose from. But that denies the rational basis for faith and human discovery because of faith. I, Isaac Newton said this, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. If you have an open mind toward the existence of God, all of a sudden common sense, which doesn't seem so common, starts to make more sense. You marry, you stay committed to one wife, you have well-rounded moral kids and you give them a moral foundation that has shaped the Western world and created the most prosperous and free nation the world has ever known. Without it, well, do you really want more of what you've been seeing lately? Well, I think it's coming. <laughs> I think the baby's coming. And if not, it's time to reinvestigate the faith and then go beyond belief and start practicing it for common sense sake. Well, that's all the time we have for today. If you like the show, don't forget to comment down below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and most importantly, to go with God.